podcast. I'm Dr. Kay Eyre. Theories and research into childhood trauma have repeatedly pointed to the importance of repetitive and rhythmic movements in regulating arousal and emotions. Sports and physical education often provide students experiences of success and efficacy that they may be lacking in other areas of the educational experience. So how can physical education capitalise on trauma-informed practices? Today, we have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Douglas Ellison. Dr. Ellison is an assistant professor of physical education, teacher education in the School of Teaching, Learning and Curriculum Studies at Kent State University. Dr. Ellison examines equity, based trauma-informed practice in schools. Dr. Ellison is a practitioner of Teaching Personal and Social Responsibility, TPSR. This is a model in the trauma-informed practice. It is a framework in physical education developed by Don Hellison. The framework provides students with positive and safe environments and fosters resiliency among students. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Gavin Krishnamurthy, and I'm joined, as always, with Dr. K. Hi, Kay. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, We're really excited today to be joined by um, Dr. Doug Ellison. Doug, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the opportunity. No worries. So we might just dive right into it. Um, so Doug, this is a podcast for educators. So I might just start by asking you about, um, you know, where you went to school and maybe how it influences what you do today. Sure. Um, I completed my PhD at the University of Illinois here in the United States, but I really gained an interest in the trauma-informed work when I was working in my current position at Kent State in Ohio and a colleague was providing some trauma-informed workshops for faculty members. So as I was in there, I was really drawn to the approaches and spent a lot of time reflecting on on my prior 10-year experience as a health and physical education teacher, uh, where I worked in a large urban um, environment where 75% of students that I taught were faced with the challenges that come from living in poverty. Um, I was successful at building relationships with my students when I was a teacher, but as I was listening to these these topics and these strategies in the workshop, I realized, wow, I could have been so much more for my students had I possessed these skills when I was teaching, Um, like self-regulation, you know, and and not to mention being a father of three children, how helpful it's been um, for me to be a more productive parent. So then, uh, in addition, as I was pursuing my doctoral degree at the University of Illinois, and there's my cat making an appearance in the episode. Um, I attended the Teaching Personal Social Responsibility Alliance Conference. I was immediately drawn to the work that was being done by practitioners um, in the schools. And that's what that conference was really about. There were researchers there, but it was about the practitioners and the work they do um, in after school programs. 
to really use physical activity as, as a vessel to help youth become more responsible, uh, personally, both personally and socially. So I guess how I came to this work, it's through my lived experiences, um, continuing my growth as a teacher, a scholar, <laughs> a parent, and then I have a, you know, a desire to help others, you know, improve their lives. That's really what motivates my work. So if I had to tell you my sense of purpose, it really is about empowering others to do the things, you know, that inspire them. And I see these trauma-informed practices as really a way to accomplish those things. Oh, that, that's fantastic. Um, how, how do you, um, you know, having gone to the conference, Doug, how did you see um, child trauma as being relevant to physical education, do you think? Well, you know, the conference and then, you know, my own learning. <laughs> First, I would honestly recommend, you know, as teachers, we, we, we need to start by understanding our own traumas and our triggers before we attempt to do this work in our, our classrooms, our gymnasiums. But really to answer your question, you know, in physical education, students are, are put on public display in ways that, that expose their bodies, their abilities. And, and that those, those experiences can be trauma-inducing for some. So when you take those potential experiences, um, these negative experiences that can occur in the gym, combine them you know, with students who may already be experiencing some toxic stress, well, now our classroom you, we're, we're coming there trying to do good, we could potentially be a trigger for some students in, in creating an unsafe environment that, that lead to some behaviors that we as teachers might think, oh, that's defiance, that's disinterest in this content, or you know, these, these students are resistant to, to learning, when in reality, it's physical education is magnifying you know, the stress um, and that they could be experiencing from you know, one or more traumatic events. So for me, and I think it's important as health and physical educators that we understand the childhood trauma because the content in physical education, we really engage students' minds and their bodies and in ways that other academic areas, you know, they can do um, when they're intentional about that. Um, but it, it comes so natural in physical education. Physical education content pairs nicely with trauma-informed practices, you know, again, to connect that mind and body to help students with their self-regulation, handle, you know, appropriate emotional expression, and then, you know, to become more self-assertive. So I think it's important that, you know, teachers are intentional with the pedagogical decisions they're making to provide opportunities for students, you know, intentionally and without doing more harm. Yeah, no, that, that's really interesting. I, I know one of the reasons, Ken, I have been really interested in physical education is the sort of potential for movement and, um, you know, exercise to be regulatory, I think. And, and one of the nice things about, um, you know, sport or exercise, it's, it's, it can be uh, relationship light to start with <laughs> so that it doesn't seem as imposing um, and and I wonder if you had any thoughts about that Doug you know in terms of just you, you know your, your observations of how students sort of engage in that mind-body curriculum and how it might you know open the doors for you know any conversations or any sort of interactions you might have with otherwise you know fairly kind of closed off or you know I hate to use the word resistant, but, you know, kids who don't necessarily engage that easily. Yeah, so I, what, I, what I enjoyed about when I was teaching were, were some of the students who, who may, you know, have been labeled as, as struggling in other content areas. And then 
they come to the gymnasium and, and they, they come alive. You know, it's their opportunity because they, they've been sitting, they've been sitting with whatever pain, whatever struggle they've been dealing with and, and their physical, you know, we, we talk about some people being exposed with their physical abilities and physical education. On the flip side, it, it's, it's an opportunity for those who can't shine in the academic area to use their physical ability to their advantage. So many times as a teacher, and I know other teachers out there listening, they understand this, the, the math teacher who comes by the gymnasium and looks in and says, whoa, how is that student, you know, having fun and, and interacting and following procedures? And it's because you're really utilizing, you know, those physical abilities that they don't get to demonstrate in, in other areas. So you're allowing not only can we be a place that does harm for students who aren't comfortable with physical education, we can be a place where students can blossom. And, you know, back to your, your comment about the, the trauma-informed practices, physical education with, you know, the cross-body exercises get both sides of the brain's brain firing. It's done, done correctly, done intentionally by, by teachers. It can be done well to really let students blossom. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Doug. Um, I, I was wondering if you could speak to the um, teaching personal and social responsibility framework. Could you maybe start by telling us some sort of principles that kind of underlie the framework? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, I, I kind of was doing these practices when I was a practitioner myself without really understanding that. It was really going to the conference and, and learning more that, I'm like, ah, you can be more intentional about these things. So TPSR, for those that aren't familiar, it's a curriculum and instructional model, and it's focused on that sometimes often neglected, affective learning domain. You know, physical education, we spend a lot of time in the psychomotor and cognitive domains. The affective is there for us, but uh, unfortunately, it's not always intentionally used, and that's what TPSR does. And truly, at the heart of it, it's all about empowering children to be responsible for their own well-being and, and to be more responsive to the well-being of others. So the idea um, within TPSR is you integrate teaching life skills and values within physical education content. It's embedded in the activities throughout the day rather than teaching them separate. You know, today we're gonna focus on life skills and values. Nope, it's, it's intertwined. It's in the content that you're teaching. And the goal is to have children transfer those skills and values outside of the gymnasium and their home, the school and the community. That's the ultimate goal. The, the level five of TPSR is that transfer. So you do this through a daily lesson plan format. Um, and then the five levels of TPSR, which level one is respecting the rights and feelings of others. Level two is self-motivation. Level three being self-direction. Uh, level four is leadership. And then that ultimate goal, level five is, is transfer. So as the teacher utilizing a TPSR framework, we're gradually shifting responsibility from the teacher as we go through these levels to the student. Uh, we want them to become empowered. And to the, in the leadership piece, students start leading activities. Um, they take responsibility for the program, the, the unit of instruction that, that's going on. And the, the heart, the key to all this is relationship building. You know, you have to maintain, develop relationships from an assets-based approach um, and respecting the individuality uh, of your students. So I, that's really the heart of what TPSR is. 
Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I, I was thinking about that first principle of, uh, you know, rights and responsibilities. And, you know, I guess uh, fundamental to trauma-informed practice is this idea of safety or, or, or how students perceive safety um, uh, in the environment, but within relationships. What are your thoughts, Doug? You were saying before about how physical education could be perceived as being unsafe or triggering. What are your thoughts about facilitating a safe environment in the gymnasium, do you think? We need to have that basic understanding of some trauma-informed principles that will help all students, regardless if they've experienced traumas or not. Um, so, I, you know, talking about that, that, that public display that creates anxiety in physical education, we don't want to expose them to things that, that really could influence, you know, their body image. So the tight fitting physical education uniform for some, it's not a big deal. And, and people listening to this now are like, oh, what? that's probably not a big deal. Well, maybe not for you, but for the student who has, you know, body image issues, that could be an issue. You know, if you're forcing students to wear bathing suits during a swim unit obstruction, exposing athletic abilities, increases the anxiety. Well, if we can think about these things as teachers, we can be intentional in our planning, our preparation, you know, to increase the likelihood that our learning environment that we're providing to students is safe. And we can do that by, by creating a consistent, predictable environment. Um, we talk at Kent State about RREs, the rules, the routines, and expectations. That helps with that predictability. So we want to establish those um, to, to make that environment something where students aren't surprised when they walk in. They know what they're coming into. We um, can also promote student voice. Now, I think that's a powerful tool and a great relationship builder for teachers, helps create that welcoming learning environment. Ask the students, what would make this space safer, better for you? Doing those types of things can, can help with the challenges that, that are present in a physical education space that aren't in other areas of a school. Yeah, I, I, I think lots of people could probably relate to that. You know, there's something quite daunting walking into like a phys ed class where <laughs> there's lots of, you know, things there and it, you know, it's constantly running through your head about how well you could, you know, do a particular task or not. And, and uh, now one that's something even as simple as, you know, having the option to opt out or having choices about activities you can even do, Doug, you know, even if even that kind of offers some level of safety and predictability in the yes. environment. Yep, absolutely. And that's, it really comes down to the teacher knowing their context, knowing their students. And then you can, you know, we can give these broad general ideas of, of what might work. But, you know, when I go to a school to work with teachers, I tell them, I'm like, stop looking at the letters after my name. You know, I've just, I made a different decision in my career to pursue this work. You're the expert in the setting. I'm just here to support you however I can. You need to tell me what your students need. What do you need? And then we can move forward. So yeah, understanding your context and knowing that, that one size does not fit every environment. Yeah, thank you for that. I'll, I'll just throw it over to Kay if she had any thoughts or questions. I just, um, as you were talking, Doug, thought of a personal perfect example of um, teachers knowing their students in a phys ed, physical education environment. 
when I was at university, we had as part of our teacher education program, PZ, and we had to do tasks. I was not um, a skilled gymnast of any description. Um, my phys ed lecturer knew that I was an excellent swimmer. I struggled with the vaulting. He clearly could see I was embarrassed and stressed by it. And he said to me, how about you give me two kilometres in the pool and we'll call it quits and that'll make the same marks as everybody else jumping over this vaulting horse. So I just, you know, bailed. Pool was right next door. I just swam my two kilometres, got out and we moved on. Um and that was very innovative at the time that there was, you know, differentiation going on. And um, But again, it's like you said at the beginning, that all boiled down to the relationship and him knowing his, his students to be able to, you know, come up with um, a point in time sort of solution to reduce that anxiety and um, that was clearly in front of him. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a very... Um, difficult space and I can't talk of how it might be for adolescent boys but I know as an adolescent girl in gymnastics and phys ed it's a really tough tough sort of space to be in when you're in that sort of 13 to 15 year old coping with everything else as well as you know that 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 space so it's really important as you said for everybody to feel safe in that space to either, yeah, have an alternative, opt out, try again, do it in a different way. I'm not sure, not being a physical education person, but, yeah, so thank you because that's, yeah, really important to say out loud. <laughs> well, well, absolutely, and your reflection of that moment could be so different had you been forced to continue on. You know, that, and that's why at the core of what we do in any content areas is building relationships. Knowing right. your people, knowing your people like that's yep. because if you had a different experience, then you probably wouldn't want to interview me and, and talk about physical <laughs> that's education. That's right. Yes. Bad experiences. And yes. That happens in our content area. Unfortunately, mm. teachers aren't aware of what the student needs and, and saying, hey, it's OK. Mm. I have these goals for my students, these expectations, but you can meet them in a way that's still going to meet my expectations of completing whatever the activity is in a way right. that's safe for you. And, and that's, that should and, be okay. And the impact that that has, I mean, that was 30 years ago, but I remember that day as clearly as anything. And it was a positive experience for me. Had it not been, as you suggested, it would still be as vivid. And as you said, we don't really understand the ramifications of some of the decisions that whichever way we go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this is a really interesting chat. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this idea of traumatic reenactments, Doug. And, and I know um, in the TPSR framework, they, they talk, make reference to this uh, at times. And uh, read, and there's a great article, by the way, um, on the framework, which we can put up um, for people to access. But reading the article, it um, reminded me of a friend of mine who um, was having a bit of a tough time at home and cricket was my sport and was his. And, and, and I remember, um, you know, one of the reasons why he stopped playing was he had this big run-in with his coach and, you know, he, he lost his temper. He was a fiery kind of guy anyway, but he lost his temper in a really big way. Um, and it was really interesting watching him 
you know, have this big explosive argument with the coach who was also, who was a male. Um, and for those of us who knew, you know, what was happening at home, it, it felt almost as though we were watching, you know, like a little um, reenactment of what was literally happening at home for him uh, a lot of the time. And, and, you know, he never returned to play the sport, but um, which is a shame because he was very talented. And, and I, and I remember reading the article thinking, gosh, I wonder if that could have been different somehow if the, if the teacher knew. I was just wondering your take about that, Doug. Like, how, what is your take on, um, you know, what those sort of reenactments might look like or how we can kind of prevent that from happening? Sure. Your example, you know, was, it was something that, that does come up in a physical education setting if, if the teacher has established and I'm, I'm a competitive person. I like competition, but, but I, I like to talk to my undergraduates about there's a time and a place for that as well. So, but if you are creating this atmosphere of competitiveness in your, in your space, you could have these moments that kind of like you mentioned, um, a student is experiencing whatever's going on. They're not having success in the sport and, and they, they can't self-regulate. So they explode, whether that's a, a physical or a verbal altercation with students, the teacher in your example. So those potentials exist within the content when you, you know, there's a score, there's a championship on the line in, in your physical education class that could happen. If there's a bad officiating call you know, during a game, you know, we might talk about, oh, that's poor sportsmanship, which that's what it looks like in the moment. But it's really that that deeper struggle that might be going on, you know, again, back to what you were speaking of in, in your example. So those are external examples that we can see in a physical education space. And really, if you know your students, you're building relationships, you can navigate those things easily. The things that become challenging are those internal responses. Now, I, as the teacher, can't see what's going on inside my student. You know, they, they, they might not want to participate in a team's activities for that day. Um, also, you could have the student who's the high achiever. They're always volunteering to lead exercises to, to demonstrate the course activities. So understanding your students and, and TPSR, I think, comes from that affective grounding so although we're building physical skills, cognitive skills, we're really trying to help students give them the skills to work through things like this and help with self-regulation. And that's why I feel so strongly about incorporating, you know, trauma-informed practices in this understanding. So teachers realize when a student does say, I don't want to participate in this activity or start cursing out the a bad officiating call. They realize that this isn't an indictment on the teacher as a person. You know, it's it's more of a student who has this unmet need from somewhere else in their life. So, and then that's why I really like TBSR to help embed these trauma-informed practices to help students work through these things without ha having to understand all the traumas your students are experiencing. Yeah, no, that that's really great. Um, in the framework, I think you refer to this, and I, I love this term, the limbic defibrillators. Um, can you give us? Can you explain what that means? And can you give us some examples of that, Doug? Sure. Yeah, that's you know, it's a it's a funny term, right? The limbic defibrillator, but it's just you know these these things that we can do within our content to help students regulate their brains. 
And, and our content of physical education, just naturally, some of the sports skills that you might teach lend themselves to doing this without explicitly saying, today we're working on this trauma-informed practice, students. You know, if you just have students playing catch, they're playing catch, they're, they're tracking the ball, they're, their hand-eye coordination. This is helping them focus their brain. Um, creating that atmosphere where you allow the student to practice what skill they're gonna work on during that day. So that hits at TPSR, the, the level three, which is self-direction. So you work students up to that point where we're in a cricket unit and a student has assessed what skills they need to work on and their spaces on the field or, or in the gymnasium where they can go to work on that, um, making those choices. So allowing them to make these choices really keeps their mind focused and working, even allowing them to pick what groups they, they work in. Uh, as long as you know, you've, you've laid out that, hey, I want you to pick a spot where you're gonna be successful and not distracted, giving them that autonomy over decision-making, again, helps with regulation. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the cross-lateral exercises, you know, getting both hemispheres of the brain. And, you know, I'm not a brain scientist, but I've, I've read enough to know that, wow, that, that's a nice overlap with what we already are doing. I know teachers that, you know, explicitly implement yoga practices, meditation, mindfulness, because that mind and body connection is so important. I mean, and sometimes in school, we forget that, you know, we focus really, really heavy on, on the mind, the mind, but the body is very important to that, working on breathing techniques. You're giving those skills to your students, um, again, as, as a natural part of your curriculum. Another thing that, that I, I really like is using soothing music. Sometimes, you know, music is really important in physical education. We use it a lot here and, and we teach our undergrads to use it. But I recommend, you know, why don't you have soothing music play as your students enter the gym? Then whatever was going out in the hallway, that, that prior class, when they come in, it's not going to go away immediately, but that music helps soothe them, calm them. Uh, and then you get into your activities for the day. And then perhaps at the end, as they're leaving class, let that soothing music play again. So, you know, you, you don't have the classroom teachers coming down and, and getting after you for sending these wired <laughs> teenagers back to them. Uh, and, and even if during, you know, during a lesson, things aren't going the way that, that you'd like, and you think they need a break, bring them back, send them down, go through some, you know, breathing techniques, play that soothing music again. You know? So being really explicit in our pedagogical choices and having these things, they don't have to be extras, I, I guess is a good way to put it. We're already doing some of these things, but really understanding what trauma-informed practices work, what do we always do, already doing, and just being more you know, really detailed in, in, in providing those opportunities to our students. Yeah, that's great, Doug. Thank you. I've been considering playing music uh, in my university lectures and just in the breaks, <laughs> just as people come in and leave, uh, just as long as they're up for my choice of music. Uh, I need to well, uh, here's another one. I, I've allowed my students uh, in other courses I teach to create playlists. You know, send me some songs and I create playlists. You can just giving that power, even to undergraduates. <laughs> they they really need that. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's great. One of the things I was thinking about with you teaching the skills, and I think 
you know, so much of this is the context, isn't it? And, and I wonder if teaching the skills in a physical education kind of context where you're not sort of, it's not self-development, it's not, you know, like self-improvement, it's not therapy. I think then the context becomes around, you know, physical education and sport and things like that. And it's somehow, you know, it, it almost kind of makes it safer in a way to engage with some of those ideas um, instead of it kind of getting too close, you know, to things that might be painful, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I'm not as familiar with, you know, the coaching uh, literature, but I know, you know, there's the positive coaching that uses similar um, items like the TPSR to deliver this, even with elite level mm. programs. So kind of disguising, you know, we, we talk about in physical education, disguising fitness. Um, so that, that's how we can disguise some of these things within our content. Great. I'm going to use that disguising. I think we're trying to discuss lots of things. <laughs> um, one of the other kind of uh, practices that you talk about in the TPSR framework is the awareness talk. Um, could you tell us what that looks like and sounds like when you're doing it with the students? Yeah, absolutely. So the awareness talk is, is the component of the daily lesson plan format. So, so quickly, you know, the very first component of the lesson plan is, is relational time. So that's what we're doing before, during, and after to build those connections with students. The awareness talk is the start of the lesson. I'll come back to that. Um, so you give the awareness talk and then you go into the physical activity content or the, you know, if you're, if you're teaching cricket, you, you get into that content. That's the main chunk of your lesson for the day. And during that time, you're embedding the principles that you'll discuss in the awareness talk then after that is over, you come back as a group and you circle up however you want to organize it and you meet and you let the students talk first. Let them discuss their likes, their dislikes from the content, um, the, the effective components of TPSR that you worked on that day. And then you finish the lesson with some reflection time for students. So, you, you know, it can be a quick, you know, hey, how did you work towards your level two goal today? Give me a thumbs up if you did good to the side, you know, down if, if you need some work. And then that way a teacher can see that visually, go make those connections. Um, I, I've also used reflective journals as well. You can do that. Um, but back to the awareness talk, that kicks off your, your TPSR lesson for the day. It's a brief structured meeting. You know, any, any teacher who uses an introduction, you know, a couple minutes, two, three minutes, you don't want to get too wordy, which, you know, I know for myself is easy to do at times, but that's kicking off the lesson. You go over the plan for the day, you're getting input from the students, and then you remind them of whatever TPSR levels of responsibility that you're gonna be focusing on that day. So I'll give you an example. Um, earlier this week, I was teaching, a, I was introducing TPSR to my undergraduates. So I, I taught a boxing fitness lesson. They had been teaching some fitness units and they were kind of using state, the station framework and they were doing a great job, but I wanted to show them a different way to teach fitness and you kind of disguise it within this boxing. So for that lesson, we were focused on level one, respecting the rights and feelings of others, and then also level two, which is self-motivation. So for my awareness talk, we're, we're you know, socially distant, circled up, and I asked them, you know, hey, what are your thoughts about this quote from Bruce Lee? And the quote was, in the middle of chaos lies opportunity. 
So I let the students think with that for a moment, and then they, they started to share what that meant to them. Their re responses really mirrored the level one components like self-control, respect, having a positive attitude, you know, controlling temper. You know, we mentioned that when, you know, when there's chaos in a moment, you know, like the call, what could happen there? So controlling your temper was good. Then I transitioned to another prompt and, and I said, you know, has there ever been something that you were not initially good at, but you know, you got better through effort and perseverance. Again, let them think for a moment. They had a little discussion and, and this class is really good at sharing out. Not all classes are, are good. So I would have to come up with a different strategy if, if they were really quiet in this, this format. Um, but their responses kind of mirrored that level too, you know, putting forth effort. Hey, when times got tough, you know, I, I just kept going. I persisted when, when things were rough. So I brought all that in to, to kind of tell them that you're about ready to compete or not compete, but perform a, a boxing fitness workout. And it might test you physically. It might test you mentally. Because I also did some pre, uh, how much do you know about boxing? How much do you know about the basic punches? And there was an average or less than average awareness of those things. So I knew that it would be challenging for them and it was going to be intense. We were going to be going, going, going. So then during that physical activity piece, I kept coming back, not only giving them feedback on their skill performance with the boxing punches, um, having them focus on their intensity because we were talking about the, the fit principle, um, but I also was connecting to those level one and two goals that they may have set for themselves. You know, having them check in how they're doing that. So that's where the embedded component comes. You introduce it in that awareness talk, and then you just keep bringing it back throughout the lesson. In addition to the physical skills that we as physical education teachers are, are fairly good at doing. Then at the end, um, during that reflection time, they had to write reflections on their progress towards that goal and challenges that may have occurred during the lesson. Yeah, that's really helpful, Doug. That's um, and I think one of the nice things with that example is very, very explicitly sort of explain how you've weaved in those principles with the curriculum plan in itself, and um, it hasn't kind of really taken away from what you were going to work on, you know, from a physical education point of view, um, and it gives. I suppose both you and the students are, are kind of scaled way to think about the different levels, isn't it? And how you're progressing through them. Absolutely. And that's what I really like about TPSR, you know, as in being a teacher educator and working with future health and physical education teachers, my students are really good at writing psychomotor objectives, the cognitive objectives, and then reinforcing that during the lesson. And then we require them to put some affective in there, but they're just so surface level. They never, I, I, I always grab them after the lesson. I'm like, look at this affective objective. Where did that come up? Like you wrote it down, but I never saw it in your lesson. So that's what I really wanted them to see from this. Like, wow, not only was he meeting those cognitive psychomotor objectives, it was very explicit. There was no doubt in anyone's mind what we were focused on in that affective domain during that day. And you know, when you see someone who's been using TPSR for a very long time, it, it, it's just, it's beautiful. You know, I'm still kind of new into this, but you know, those that have, have been teaching it for a long time at the university level, those that do it in schools, it's, it's really something to see. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just throw to Kay in a second, but the other reflection I kind of had as you were talking about it is, 
I think it for the teacher it somehow reframes um, kind of uh, students who are not kind of participating in the you know the lesson plan you know and there isn't it almost is acts like a prompt before you act in a kind of punitive kind of way or in a in a rash kind of way because you're thinking in terms of the levels. Yeah, absolutely, and it gives those students who don't have the physical ability potentially, and it gives them another way to succeed and focus on building skills while they're in physical education. You know, everybody can get better in those affective domains. So if, if I'm a student who, you know, if I was doing basketball, that is something I would excel at, but try to tell me I can't use my hands, you know, <laughs> with a soccer ball and, and I'm gonna hide Although, you know, being six foot five, it's kind of hard to hide <laughs> in a space. Um, so it would give me an opportunity. Hey, I can work on my leadership, my teamwork, putting forth effort. I can do those things even if I don't have the physical skills to succeed. Right. I'll just throw it over to Kate. If she had any questions or comments. Uh, no, I, I was just thinking how um, that would alleviate. I'm thinking of my um, own children phys ed excuses um, would alleviate the need for those. Can you write me a note because this is happening today and I really just don't want to participate or can you write me a note and say I'm sick because um, I don't want to play, like you said, soccer, even though I'm brilliant at basketball, but this this for the next five lessons at soccer, I'm no good at it, I'm going to get laughed at, I don't want to do it. Can you write me a note? Or what's even more effective in Australia and because we're outside all the time, is I just deliberately forget to take my hat and then I'm not allowed to play outside. So that gets me out of it. Done deal. Great. <laughs> you know, it, it sort of doesn't, you know, there's a choice. Uh, there's a choice to be motivated and, and be part of, part of the group when you think, well, just because I can't do that, my goal is a leadership goal because that's what I'm really good at, even though I'm never, you know. It's a bit like some of our best footballers here are great footballers, but when they move into a coaching role, it doesn't really work. <laughs> you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't automatically transfer, does it? So, yeah. Well, and we as, as physical education teachers, we kind of do this to ourselves with some of the procedures we put into place. Like if you don't bring a hat, you, you can't participate. You know, that you're giving that out to those students who have that anxiety and I, we as a, as a profession, and that's what I love about trauma-informed practices, you know, it's not, children, I learned this during, uh, when I was doing my master's degree, as I, I was teaching, I was going in the evenings to my master's degree, but it, it's not the children, really, that have changed, you know, children, you go anywhere in the world, are, are pretty much developmentally the same, obviously, context matters, it's the adults and children's lives that are the ones that, that, that have really changed, so we as the adults need to take a step back. And that's why I like about TPSR, these trauma-informed practices, is it's not about us. It's about helping others, you know, succeed. Yeah, no, that's that's great, Doug. And, and I think just to, to kind of finish up on a, uh, you know, discussion about relationships, and I, and I know, you know, sometimes for some of the kids, the, the, some of the closest relationships they have are with coaches and, physical education sort of teachers because uh, you know it, it's almost as though they um 
you know, see them at their best or, or, or feel as though they see them at their best. And you were talking a lot about, you know, being on display. And I think kids at school always feel on display. And maybe in these sort of arenas, they, they feel as though, you know, they do excel and there is, you know, a glint in the eye of you know, the person watching. Um, and, and I was thinking about that, um, you know, the piece of the curriculum about, um, you know, relationship time and connecting in and things like that. Did you have some thoughts about how you do that in a safe way at the start and finish of a lesson, Doug? Yeah, and this, you know, for me, it's not a struggle. I, I like to I like to know my students. So I ask them, you know, if I know a student is, is on a, a university athletic team, you know, I'll talk to them about that. If, you know, I see them on their phone and, and I catch something they're looking at, or, you know, I try to make those connections. So for me, it just occurs naturally. And even during a lesson, I'm kind of playful in, in, in my instruction and, and interacting with them. And, and I encourage that from my students. Uh, so it really is just however you go about building relationships with people, you know, you, you need to use those, those strengths. I can't really say that there's a way to do it besides be genuine. Um, the, the students and, you know, people in general know if you're being sincere and genuine. Um, so you just, you have to bring that to your interactions with students, which can be tough. I know for, for some who, who aren't personal, but it can be simply just asking about a, a sports team, you know, they like, or the music they're interested in. Um, but it really needs to come from a place of sincerity in your heart, which we're working with students, right? We, we should want to enjoy their company and <laughs> get to know them. Absolutely. And I think authenticity is such an important part of that, I think for them to feel as though there's a real person in front of them who's genuinely interested in them. Yes. Yeah. Um, so just to finish up, Doug, what were you currently curious about in, your, in the work you're doing at the moment? Well, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm curious in everything, but uh, with my work specifically in my field, there, there are there right now. There are currently there's no research based findings with trauma informed practices in in physical education. My colleague here at Kent State University, uh, Dr. Jen Walton Facet. We're currently analyzing um, some, some interviews, uh, uh, looking at physical education teachers and their perceptions of, of trauma-informed practices. Um, but there, there is, we're, we're lacking research-based findings in our field related to this. So to respond to this, there's, there's a small group of health and physical education colleagues here in the United States. We've created a research group. Uh, we just had a, our first meeting really looking at research the, the other day. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're, we're trying to design a research study to find some more, re there, there are a lot of practitioner-based things, kind of like the, you know, TPSR article um, that, that I've written about, but there's not a lot of research-based findings. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do, expand the research-based work in my content area. That's great. Um, so speaking of which, were there any resources that you wanted to point our listeners to or maybe even how they could get in touch with you? Absolutely. Uh, for anyone that's interested in TPSR to learn more about that, uh, again, I, I believe in the framework. And I think you have to start there. But I, I would point you to uh, tpsr-alliance.org. 
to learn about the great group of, of practitioners and scholars who, who are doing this work and have been doing it for decades. Um, personally, my own work, you know, I've co recently co-edited a feature series uh, titled Preparing Health and Physical Education Teachers to Become Trauma-Invested. And that, appear, that appeared in the uh, November, December of 2020 uh, Journal of Physical Education, Recreation and Dance, uh, also referred to as JOPERD in our field. And that's volume 91, uh, issue nine. So, and that covers um, physical education, it, uh, teacher education, health education. Um, and again, it's more of this theoretical, you know, no research in there. Uh, additionally, um, along with my colleagues at Kent State, we published another JOPERT article in 2019 um, where this discussion kind of stemmed from, and it was titled Utilizing the Personal Social Responsibility Model as a Trauma-Informed Practice Tool in Physical Education. You know, I'd be happy to continue this conversation, you know, with anyone that has interest in this work. Uh, it's, I hope you can hear the passion <laughs> as, I, as I speak of it, uh, but I can be found on Twitter at dwellison underscore PhD. And my email address at work is D-E-L-L-I-S-O-4 at kent.edu. You know, at the end of the day, I just, I wanna thank you both for this wonderful opportunity to speak with you today and for everyone who's, who's listening as well. Great, thank you, Doug. I'll just keep thank trying. Thank you. Thanks very much. Very good, thanks very much, Doug. And we'll put up all those links and information on our website as well. So uh, thank you for that. And um, I, we hope we can keep in touch in the future. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. That was Dr. Doug Ellison speaking about the TPSR framework of physical education. To learn more about trauma-informed education, visit our website, tipbs.com. That's tipbs.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider providing us a rating and review on your podcast provider. Your feedback makes all the difference. Thank you for listening. See you next time.